Hello and welcome to It All Adds Up, the podcast where we chat about money, how to get it, how to spend it and how to invest it. I'm Senior Economics Writer at the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age newspapers, Jess Irvine. And I'm Money Editor Dom Powell and this week is the grand finale of our special series focusing on real life budgets, money questions and how you're tackling the rising cost of living. Yes, and this week's question comes from listener Sarah, who sent us in her budget, and then she, in the interim, listened to the other budget episodes that we've done and went away and actually saved herself a couple of thousand dollars following some of the tips and tricks that uh, we mentioned, Dom, so yay us. Yeah, well, who, who, who knew? Who knew that we're actually you know giving good advice on this podcast? We knew deep down inside, but it's nice to have that external validation. Anyway, we have a voice memo from Sarah, so let's have a listen. Hello Jess and Dom. My name is Sarah and I'm a paramedic and a 50-year-old sole parent to two beautiful girls, 28 years old and 16 years old. Thank you so much for scrutinising my budget. I've been looking at various ways that I can make some savings um, and recently I've managed to make some changes with my health insurance by reducing it down to just hospital only um, and no extras and having a bigger excess and reduced that cost from $274 a fortnight down to $150, which was amazing. I'm looking at other ways that I can save because my overarching goal is in 15 years' time, I plan to purchase my home outright at retirement and still have a great retirement savings plan as well. So any ideas on how I can save some costs um, and increase my surplus uh, would be most amazing. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for sending that in, Sarah. Love to hear that you've been listening to the podcast and, you know, implementing some of the some of the things that we've been been talking about. I think there's a few things to look at when we look at Sarah's budgets and the things that she's she's changed. So, if we look at the first budget that Sarah sent us a few weeks ago, uh, she was saying that her annual cash surplus was around about four thousand. Um, and in the most recent one that she's sent us just this week, she's increased that cash surplus to around seven thousand, which is great. That's you know three thousand bucks extra in the pocket, and that's per year. It's not every month or something, <laughs> but but that's how much she's you know perhaps can save annually. But that's fantastic because you know four thousand might be a bit slim. We're getting towards something that's a bit more of a decent sort of cash surplus. Uh, being generated each year, which isn't that great? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So cool. And um, I mean, there's a few reasons when you know when when you look at uh, Sarah's budget that she's increased this cash surplus. One of the most notable things that I saw was that she's increased the amount of money that she's gotten from her side hustle, which I believe is, I assume, teaching Pilates. It just says Pilates. Um, I can't imagine you can get paid for doing Pilates, but if you can, <laughs> someone let me know, please. Um, <laughs> But I'm assuming that Sarah does do uh, Pilates uh, instructing as a side hustle and she's increased the amount of money that she's gotten from that quite significantly. So this is great and also uh, a real testament to the strength of having a good strong side hustle. That's a fantastic solid side hustle. And I did read that like it's the number of Australians who are actually sort of have two jobs at the moment is increasing because, you know, you are looking for that extra source of income. On the saving side as well, so she mentioned that she saved on her electricity and the health insurance as well. Noting that if you increase your excess, you have to pay more in the event that she will have to make a claim. Um so just being careful of that and dropping the extras because 
You don't need the extras to avoid the Medicare levy surcharge if you're over that 90000 single income threshold where you have to pay that tax slug if you don't have the hospital cover. You only you do only need the hospital cover, but sort of doing an analysis for yourself as to whether the benefits you get from having health insurance extras you actually receive back more than you pay in premiums is a really good exercise for people to do. And um, sounds like Sarah's gone away and done that analysis and figured out that, yeah, she can reduce the premium by you know, $100 or whatever it was. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and it looks like she's also um, cut down on her expenditure, not by a huge amount, you know, just by I think it was, you know, maybe 20 or 30 bucks a fortnight or something like that on, on just doctors and specialists. So um, clearly Sarah sat down and had a look at the money that she's spending on, you know, health and health insurance and sort of just really worked out all the areas that she can she can cut back on, which is great. Getting rid of any of those sort of non-essential sort of specialist visits or doctor or GP visits is uh, always a good way to save a bit of cash. And I noticed she's also cancelled her Audible subscription for the for a little while and that obviously saves money. But the great thing about that, I don't know if you've ever done this, Dom, but uh, I mean, I have had Audible and then you cancel it and then you get bombarded with, come back, it'll be free. We won't charge you for a whole month or two. Like you get the free offers so you can... You can resubscribe anytime you want. Audible is one of those things that I think is almost always sending me deals. Like <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've ever been sent so many offers by a company other than Audible, like in my life. Like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and I don't even listen to audiobooks. I think I listened to one audiobook maybe once in 2018. So you know, there's a life hack for everyone. Get rid of your yeah. Audible, and then you can uh, you know just get free offers for the rest of your life. Don, what did you think in general? I mean, I, I mean, I would now claim this is a testament to having a budget and seeing how realistic it is and tracking your spending and, you know, finding those little savings because we saw that Sarah was doing sort of more a bucket style approach, um, which is traditionally uh, what you've been doing. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Well, I think this is, well, I mean, if you, you know, listen back to the first episode of, of this series that we did, um, you know, six weeks ago now where I sort of admitted my terrible budgeting strategies. This all sort of hits quite close to home, to be honest, because Sarah pretty much said, I did this, these sort of strategies, I did this sort of, you know, bucket-based approach, and all I kept doing was just dipping into the buckets. You know, I kept going and taking a little bit out of this fund, a little bit out of this fund when I needed it. And that's exactly what I do, you know. So this is, this is, this is I suppose, you're right, a testament to having a real budget uh, meticulously tracking every single th- like thing you spend money on rather than just sort of grouping it into generalized categories. Yeah. And like, look, you don't have to do it forever. You know, you don't have to be doing this every single month, although <laughs> you can if, you, <laughs> if you're me. Um, but just, you know, doing it once, having the really good fine tooth comb through the budget questioning everything as to whether it does align with your enjoyment of the the dollars that are going out and having a look for sort of those little savings because, Dom, it all adds up. It does all add up. (laughs) I think the buckets method can be very attractive for a lot of people because it seems very low effort. And I think that if you have a really simple life, right, like if if you don't spend money on sort of strange things, um, you know, you've got – very limited, uh, you know, uh, expenditure, you've got very basic expenses, all that sort of stuff, then the buckets method works well because then, you know, you don't have to really think too much about it. But when you're, you know, buying a little thing here or you're spending a little bit of money on a holiday here and all that sort of stuff, then you really do need to have that oversight, I think, which is where, you know, obviously we've seen this with, with Sarah's budget here that now once she starts tracking it all, she can really see where all that money's going and then start to make those savings. 
Yeah, and it's not about sort of living on a bare bones budget for the rest of your life and cutting your own hair, as some of us in the room have done. <laughs> it's me. Um, but even though know, I've been on that arc of, you know, sometimes it's fun to see, you know, how much you can save, but you can't live like that forever. And making sure that you're making room for enjoyment in your budget is so important. Although things are a bit tight uh, at the moment for a lot of people. So having the good look, but, you know, making sure that you do have some some fun in the budget as well. But looking at the rest of Sarah's budget, there are um, some areas where, you know, you can see that there will be some cost savings in the future. As she mentioned, uh, she has a 16-year-old uh, daughter at the moment. She shows on her budget that her school costs are around $10,000 a year. Obviously, that will stop eventually, and that's $10,000 that you could do anything with. You could invest it. You could put it into your super. So it might be fun for Sarah to do a different version of her spreadsheet where you do actually go through and cut out some of those kid costs because yeah. I've done that and I'll be living a life of Riley. I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, kids are expensive. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, particularly planning for retirement, that's that's something that's going to come, come out. I do also see that there is quite a high spending on holidays, which, you know, and in her email, Sarah said she wants to live now as well, you know, not just be saving only for, you know, future her, but also have a good life with the holiday front. But that is something that can be wound back, I guess, um, if if things get much tighter. Um, she's also spending $1,500 on hairdressing, um, which, you know, <laughs> aforementioned just... tips. Cutting, <laughs> about... you, you got to suggest that Sarah cuts her own hair. You know what? I don't think I am going to because I have done that. It's really stressful. <laughs> so I am building hairdressing back into my <laughs> to my budget. But I do also get a bit shirty because I feel like women have to spend more on haircuts. So, yeah, I mean, elsewhere, we've got about $700 a year for clothes, which seems pretty reasonable. $600 a year set aside for gifts, um, which I'm actually, I find I spend a bit more than that, actually. You know, some streaming services, you can't cut out everything we need to, to live. And what's really nice to see is Sarah also puts aside, you know, over $500 a year for charity donations. So that's another benefit of, you know, looking at your money and having a plan for it. You can set aside some. Some feel-good spending money, and that's certainly appreciated. Some feel-good tax-deductible spending money. Well, that is true. Do not forget to claim that on tax, Sarah, (laughs) at the end of the financial year. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, I feel like we should get into um, one of Sarah's major questions, which was her plan to... Purchase a home, I believe, in about 15 years once she's retired and uh, presumably using her superannuation, which she will have access to, purchase her house. Now, obviously, you know, there's lots of ways that this could go and the ways that, and ways that you could do this. But Jess, what do you think about that as a sort of a plan? Yeah, well, I've always wondered with my mortgage if it will, it is so big that if I will be at a point where um, I may be able to use some of my super when I access it, um, you have to meet various conditions of release, but you, they can kick in from the age of 60. Whether I might use some of my super money as a lump sum to pay off my mortgage. And we're seeing that many people are keeping their mortgages into retirement and doing just that. Mm. So I guess Sarah's doing another version of that where you, you know, she's putting all the money into super and she's got a nice healthy nest egg there and she's working in a sector where she gets a pretty generous uh, rate of contribution from her employer and she is topping that up um, as well with extra contributions. So, you know, maybe it grows in whatever 
whatever the assets are there, not in property because she hasn't bought the property yet, you know, but it grows and there's great tax deductions. And then if you can pull it all out at the age sort of 65 seems to be what's in her plan and then purchase the property, you know, you're making a you're making an asset allocation decision there. And my main thing, and I would feel bad if I didn't sort of at least put this in the mind, is things change in super. And I have always wondered if one of the things that might change would be if they um, – put conditions around whether you can access the money as mm. a lump sum. There is no suggestion at the moment um, about that, but there is talk about shifting people towards sort of pension-based super payouts so that, you know, you're sort of you're withdrawing a certain percentage of your balance each year rather than taking it all out. And some people are not as responsible as Sarah and buying a home, but, you know, going on some great holidays and then living on the age pension. Um so I think that's just something to keep in mind. Um, and we can't give financial advice about that sort of thing, but, you know, just being, just keeping an eye on that, I guess, if the plan is to use the super to buy the house. Yeah, and I think that if we've been shown anything from the recent debate over super in the past uh, few weeks is that any sort of changes to these to these systems will be telegraphed well ahead of time. You know, there will be, you know, you'll have, you'll have a good few years to sort of work it out. So, like, let's just say, you know, um, that does something like that does happen. You'll have a long time to be able to sort of plan for it and, you know, potentially, you know, work around it and do something else. Something else I would also mention with um, sort of Sarah's plan here is that I think, you know, it's, it's got a lot of merit, but there is the sort of the downside that she will be paying rent for the next 15 years, which just obviously, you know, Never feels great in terms of a, a an investment. You know, people sort of say that rent is like dead money in a sense, which is not something I necessarily agree with. But you know, there is a bit of a downside to to not putting that into a mortgage. Yep, there's the the rent is the dead money, and then it, if you do get the mortgage, then the interest that you pay to the bank is the dead money. So that's maybe a trade off that she's thought about, and we don't know, but it could be a situation where you know you're living, you're renting somewhere that you want for your lifestyle now, um, and that maybe she can, you know, when she does buy, maybe she'll be living a bit further out or in something that's smaller than she's got now, because you know if you got the kids now, but in the future you might be able to buy, you know, a smaller property. Mm. That, you know, maybe that's something that she's she's thinking about. So yeah, I guess all of this is sort of highly, highly personal to your own um, circumstances. But Sarah, thank you so much for sending in your budgets. I've loved seeing the evolution and I'm glad to hear that we have helped a little bit. That's a it's a lovely note um to to leave things on really with this series that we've done, Dom. That's that's what I hoped would happen. Absolutely. You know, it's it's a it's real it's a real world impact, Jess. So thanks to everyone for tuning in over the last six weeks, listening to us dissect some real life budgets. I hope you did take something away from it. I hope you got something worthwhile, uh, something you can take home and, and apply to your financials. It's been really enjoyable to do and it's been so much fun to hear from everyone sending in uh their questions and their spreadsheets. And I think, you know, the more we can be transparent and talk about our money, the the better off that situation that puts everyone in. And if you're bereft of someone to send your budget to, you can share it with a friend. Like I think, you know, having this conversation with friends and family can be just as much fun too. But I have certainly enjoyed having a squeeze at everyone's numbers. And um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with our next series shortly. But uh, until then, be well and keep on saving those dollars. Because it all adds up, Dom. It does all add up, Jess.
This episode of It All Adds Up was produced by Chi Wong. The information discussed is general in nature and does not take into account your personal financial situation, goals or objectives. You should always do your own research or get professional advice before making any major financial decisions. If you liked today's episode, hit follow in your podcast app, leave a review and recommend it to all your friends. You can submit your listener questions in text or audio format at italladsup at nine.com.au. 